Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. I'm Austin Ward, joined as always by Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. And uh, January is about to come to a close. There's plenty of stuff to go over from this busy start to the offseason, including uh, some notes that those, those two guys talked about on Talking Stuff with the signing period about to open up. But we're going to keep the focus really on the vacancy today. Uh, still that exists there with Greg Madison. Uh, his retirement is supposed to take place at the end of the month. And then once that happens, my expectation would be that Ryan Day would be able to uh, announce somebody and move forward. Um, we don't know specifically uh, what the plan is going to officially be, um, but we do have an in, uh, indication that Parker Fleming will be one of the leading candidates here. Uh, he's a quality control coach. He might take over that special teams role. Uh, and if that happens, Berm, that is yet another signal that Ryan Day is not panicking over the secondary um, that's what we're going to break down today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, number one, that there's obviously a relationship and comfort and trust that they built with Parker Fleming, if that's the case, uh, which, again, as we think it is. Um, we, we were told from the start that February 1st was sort of the date uh, when Greg Madison's retirement became official. I think that coincides with the fact that a lot of the coaching staff is not yet officially off vacation all that kind of comes together on Monday. So, I mean, if we're looking at a, a timeline, I guess maybe Monday's the, the real start date for, if what we're hearing is accurate, then that's probably the day when things will start moving in that direction. But um, I, I think it's twofold. Number one, as I said, Parker Fleming, they trust him a lot. Uh, they like what he's done uh, in the program as a recruiter, as a younger guy. Um, but it also signifies to me or signals a trust in Matt Barnes and what he's been able to accomplish as a teacher uh, in the back half of the Buckeye secondary, because I think the real goal here is to move him into more of a comprehensive role in the entire secondary and free up Kerry Combs to focus more on coordination of the defense as opposed to um, secondary coaching. So, you know, people are going to look at it and see the safety play last year and be like, oh, that, oh, oh, oh my God, Matt Barnes. Like, that has nothing to do with Matt Barnes's strengths. Matt Barnes is a great teacher. He's a guy that um, really communicates well and recruits extremely well. You have to look at last year and realize that maybe the uh, the personnel was not right. And I think not only that, which um, Spencer wrote about seven banks on Friday morning at Letterman Row, and I touched on the Court Williams injury, which kind of gets forgotten, I think, as one of the complications that Ohio State dealt with. Um, maybe people are tired of hearing what comes across as excuses, but they're really explanations for why it was difficult for Kerry Combs in year one. Uh, two guys that, that Ohio State lost in the offseason, then didn't have a spring camp, then Court Williams, then Cam Brown, then COVID, then not no non-conference games, no normal training camp. Um, it would have been extremely difficult for Kerry Combs to have turned that into, uh, I didn't even mention losing two first-round draft picks at cornerback in Jordan Fuller at safety. Like, that was a dramatic overhaul. And Ohio State is recruited at such a high level that you just assume that things will move on without a hitch, but that was not realistic for last season. So when Ryan Day is sitting down to evaluate that, um, and certainly the way the national title game worked out, you know, didn't sit well with anybody, but you have to try and put it in perspective was, do those complicating factors, uh, do they necessitate a, a strong reaction or would a normal year, normal development process, and the fact that you still have a bunch of talent coming back that's either going to be healthy like Brown or Williams or developing like Legend Cavazos or Ryan Watts or arriving early like some of these true freshmen. 
uh, in this in this class? Do you have the pieces to be fine? And then do you trust Matt Barnes enough that you can give him that role, let Kerry Combs take a broader view of the defense and let Parker Fleming become a full-time goal? In this, that's a specific scenario. That's the one that we think is the leading candidate here. And to me, um, even if it's not a, a sexy name or, you know, a, a million-dollar co-coordinator or anything like that, you know, I, I can understand why this is the move for Ryan Day just the same way that you could a year ago when he decided not to get a big name to join the offensive coaching staff and promoted Corey Dennis. Yeah, there are two things that kind of strike me when we just talk about the overall uh, hire, if that is the hire that they make, is one, um, everybody talks about Ohio State reloads, not rebuilds. Every once in a while, there has to be a rebuild. And I think the secondary kind of went through a little bit of a rebuild this past season, just getting guys comfortable and making sure that everybody was in the right spot and a new coach and, and everything that happened. I think there was a little bit of a rebuild instead of a reload. And I think that's going to make them stronger for next year, which is why I, I really like that they're not making a move, you know, to to bring somebody in to really, you know, help carry, but actually trust Carrie's ability to do what he does. The other thing I think is, you know, Ohio State talks about developed here with its players. Well, we're obviously seeing that coaches are also being developed there because we've seen Keenan Bailey become a really good coach. We've seen different coaches move on from the program that have worked under Larry Johnson and, and done great things on the defensive line coaching elsewhere. We've seen uh, Corey Dennis. And now, you know, if they do, uh, promote Parker Fleming. I think that's a testament to the program's strength, which is developing not just players, but everybody in the building continues to develop. So there's just, you know, two things, a little food for thought. But I also think, you know, the main point is the secondary did rebuild. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think next year they'll be a lot stronger because of it. You know, I always have something to say, Austin. So I'm going to jump in. Okay. I, I want to be clear. I, I don't know that it is a rebuild. I think it, reloading, even reloading is different when you're trying to replace first round draft picks or or Jordan Fuller, who is maybe one of the, the best leaders and safeties in, in school history. Uh, it is different. I also think that if you're looking at the big picture of why maybe you promote someone like Parker Fleming is that we've seen the internet clamoring and, and it is for a good reason. Ohio State is going to need to pay other coaches more money. And uh, when you free up almost $2 million in, in salary uh, from assistance in the last two years that have moved on, there are guys on the current staff that need a, a pay raise in order to uh, be commensurate with the work that they're doing and their interests around the country. That could be a wide receiver. That could be a linebacker. That could be a running back. There are, there are other guys that need to get pay bumps. And so this allows you to sort of balance that out while – not breaking the budget. Yeah, I think, it, and that's an important way to look at this when you're talking about if the Parker Fleming uh, promotion goes through in the next couple of days and looking back at Corey Dennis, you know, it, it's fun to make coaching lists and speculate about people you could bring in from outside the program. But, you know, you mentioned specific there, Brian Hartline needs a massive raise if you're going to keep him in the program and not have him be a sexy outside hire for another program. Same was true for Al Washington, who has you know, got head coaching, uh, you know, interest in the last couple of years. And, you know, he could be you don't want to lose him to go be a, a solo defensive coordinator somewhere. Um, you still, you know, you want to keep Larry Johnson happy and around as long as possible. Um, Tony Alford, you mentioned him. Kevin Wilson. You want those the people that you Spencer called it developing the coaches. You want to keep them as long as possible because of the institutional knowledge and the familiarity they have with the program and what Ryan Day envisions it 
that that helps recruiting. It helps the current players. Uh, it helps establish that culture, and that's important. You know, it, it, that's also why Randall Joyner was a name that I mentioned uh, as a possibility for Ohio State last week. That doesn't look like it's going to happen in this cycle because he just uh, got uh, hired away from SMU by Ole Miss. But that's another person who you keep an eye on down the road because now he's got some of that experience from outside the program. You know, that was an urban deal. He hasn't worked with Ryan Day, but Larry Johnson uh, developed him into the coach that he's become. So you keep an eye on him for later down the road. But, you know, when when Ryan Day talked about Corey Dennis's promotion a year ago, it was that he, he knew the way he wanted it. Uh, the position coached, he could trust him. He had established relationships with recruits now that they're allowed to, you know, those rules have changed for him where some of these guys, you know better than anybody that the assistant coaches, assistants to the assistants, now that they're allowed to be in the DMs and exchange text messages, I don't know everything they're allowed to do, but those guys are becoming critical uh, to the future lifeblood of the program as well. So you don't want to just let that go, uh, you know, elsewhere for let somebody duplicate what you're doing. No, continuity is super important. And I think that it, you look at North, Northwestern, they just signed their coaching staff to like a 50-year extension or whatever. I mean, it, I, I realize that from the outside looking in, Ohio State fans are going to see this and be like, oh, that's not how you compete with Alabama. Okay, and I get it. And and this is maybe a hard pill to swallow because Ohio State is as good as Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, everywhere else on the field. The Ohio State administration is not going to work in the same way that the administrations do in those other places. So the Buckeyes have to be better elsewhere. They have to be better at developing. They have to be better at at creating a, an environment where people want to be a part of it for a long term. I mean, it, it is a different type of world uh, as it is opposed to the SEC. And people are going to have to understand that Ohio State is not going to go out and pay five or six different assistant coaches one and a half, two million dollars a year. They're just simply not going to do it. We had this conversation, Berm, you know, about the way Nick Saban is able to take all these reclamation projects and Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone just going in, you know, seamlessly this year for him. I almost feel like Ryan Day is, is choosing, and maybe this isn't the right way to look at it or, or not his intention, but a lane that is more focused on a, co a, a college experience rather than Nick Saban, which has turned that into an NFL, you know, style staff with constant change you know i wonder if there's just some subconscious emphasis on these guys are going to stick around longer you'll have them for your career because you you almost have to choose that lane because of what you just said with ohio state not paying you know 20 million dollars for a coaching staff but you know when we've had other conversations about what clemson is selling what alabama is selling what ohio state is selling it, it can't all be the same thing that that you no, you have to, to you have to differentiate yourself. And uh, Alabama has for years been, uh, you know, a football factory. And, you know, they've done a good job in the last decade or so changing a little bit of their their focus as, as far as how they handle their enrollment and their academics and all that stuff. But at their base, at their core, the difference between Ohio State and Alabama has been when you go to Alabama, it is a business. When you go to Ohio State, their goal is to make it feel like a family and a family that just happens to play really good football. So, you know, there is a difference and people will have to accept that or not. And if you don't accept it, then maybe Ohio State isn't the place you should be rooting for. And I think that's why the development of these coaches is so important because you get them in as quality control or GAs. They start to understand what the program is all about or they've been there, you know, even before then. And then they, you know, 
now you're seeing them become assistants or you're seeing them have a bigger role in selling the program. And I think that's why Ohio State's becoming so good at selling the program when they never really had any issues doing it beforehand, but it's just becoming enhanced and selling the program is such a, a huge thing and being able to talk about what the program actually is about. And I think having Corey Dennis and having a guy like Parker Fleming on your staff is really important for the culture building, not just the football building, but also just everything that goes on in the Woody. I think it's so important to have those guys on the, on the staff and in the building. And I think you look at it, and this is getting a little bit off off that topic, but you know, the, the Mike Yersich hire, when Ryan Day brought him in, they expected really big things, and you had to have somebody who could be a quarterback's coach, experienced uh, calling offensive plays, and you get it. But almost right off the bat, Ryan Day knew that that wasn't a – a culture fit that they didn't get along. And so there's a risk if you um, make these outside hires with people that you don't know, you go for a big name that a lot of people are trying to hire. You know, they may have competing interests for what you think is best for Ryan Day's Ohio State program and the future of that program. And so that is, I think, why you've seen, and again, we'll have to wait to, to know officially what Ohio State is going to do here, what Ryan Day is going to do. But I think that's why you're seeing a greater influence on people who have been inside those walls at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and specifically have worked with Ryan Day um, so that there is that shared vision for the future. Because, I mean, look, Mike Yersich is still a good football coach, but he was not a good football coach for what Ryan Day wanted for the future. And that was Alex. Alex experienced the same way. Right. So there there is risk that comes with that. And there's also risk that, you know, you may miss an opportunity if you don't go outside. Someone who wants to be there, uh, you know, wants to further their career at Ohio State. But it's not. There's no such thing as a sure bet with any coach. But I think mitigating risk and promoting continuity is what Ryan Day wants at this point. There's got to be a fine line that gets walked, and Ryan Day will continue to learn this and, and get better at it over these next few years. But there's a difference a big difference between people who are job climbers and people who are people who want to be at Ohio State. And you need to have, I think, to have a successful staff, maybe a little bit of both. You need to have a blend of guys that are, you know, able to move on. But you have someone like Al Washington who loves Ohio State, who's from Columbus and wants to be a part of Ohio State. But, you know, his eyes are down the road a little bit. You'd have to expect it. Eventually, one day he'll move on. Um, you know, but you also want to be careful. You're not doing too much in the way of hiring just assassins to come in and, and do something one or two years their way. And then you have to completely recycle and refresh. Now, to Alabama's credit, as long as you keep winning national championships, kids don't seem to care. But eventually, I mean, Nick Saban is 70 years old. That, uh, that is going to stop at some point and someone else is going to have to be able to do it that way as successfully as Nick Saban or completely change things. And if we're being Frank, it's more likely they're going to have to change things because they're not going to be Nick Saban. So I feel like in the long term, in the college realm, Ryan Day's approach is a better, safer road. But, you know, it, it is not going to be that splashy hire always that people are, are looking for. And I get it. I mean, it, it, as a fan base, you you certainly want to have that big name guy to come in. But is that what's best for the program and the guys in it? I don't know that it is. I just. I, I I never look at a, a football game and be like, man, this, that special teams coordinator just really struggling right now. You know, it's like we make so much of these hires. And if Matt Barnes gets, you know, bumped up to safety's coach or however they're going to shuffle this around, 
the likelihood that it will affect Ohio State as a national championship contender is very small, whether they hire a splashy, huge hire or promote from within. I just, I think, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on it because the coaching staff is so important for so many aspects. But at the same time, you know, you're never really watching a game and saying to yourself, like, man, the special teams coordinator is really struggling. Well, and I mean, just to wrap this all up in a nice little bow, this goes back to Austin's point initially. You're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater based on what happened this past year. You just can't do it. Now, do I believe, knowing what I know about Ryan Day, what we've seen out of Ryan Day, that if this defense plays similar next season, that things aren't going to be changed dramatically? Absolutely not. If if this happens again, there will be wholesale changes. But like Michigan and their decision to not move on from Jim Harbaugh, and, you know, forcing him to kind of shore some things up on the recruiting front after this weird year. Sure, you have to kind of put an asterisk by 2020 and, and say that's not the way we saw it going, but there are outside reasons why it may have gone that way. That excuse is not going to be there in this next year. So if it doesn't work out again for Kerry Combs in the defense, maybe then you see a wholesale change. But for now, there's no point in throwing out the baby with the basketball. And if a and if a unit that can't succeed with seven banks coming off of a starting year, Marcus Williamson sticking around as a you know Swiss Army knife along with Josh Proctor, uh, a healthy Cameron Brown, Court Williams, Lathan Ransom, uh, you know Ronnie Hickman. Legend Cavazos, Ryan Watts, um, if if those guys and then a bunch of new <clears throat> freshmen, if that can't get it done, uh, yeah, then we'll have a different conversation next January. But until then, uh, this is the one that we're having as Ohio State gets ready for 2021. Still have that uh, vacancy officially listed. Uh, see, expecting that to get filled relatively quickly for uh, Ohio State and Ryan Day. Uh, that's Berman Spencer Holbrook. I am Austin Ward. This has been Letterman Row breaking it down for you as always uh, as we get into this 2021 offseason.